0: Hey, Dan.
1: Hey, Scott, how are you doing?
0: Good. How are you doing, man?
1: Good. So um, thanks. Thanks for meeting. This is uh, this is cool. Yeah. I after you contacted me after you make after you commented on that on that video, um, I checked out a couple of I haven't looked I haven't actually watched all your videos, yet, but I've kind of got them queued up. Um, and I talked about you in the um, in the last Saturday's session. Of the book club, and um, and in that uh, in that one we are reading um, Piketty's new book, um, "Brief History of Equality." So it's not really about the note taking, um, although occasionally it is. Um, we we did actually read um, Sunky Aaron's book together, um, and uh, and and people had you know kind of different um, different takes on it. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely yeah i mean the, you know that that book is i think you know i've got issues with some of the the details and implementations cuz i've had to like reverse engineer lumen's actual you know mm-hmm. system and and do it the hard way and spend many many months and right. a lot of my time at doing that mm-hmm. however on the the good news is i don't know it's it seems like just a great introductory book it's short simple and it's kind of like inspiring so it gets people it's kind of like the 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 uh I would say <laughs> well, maybe there's a better way of saying this, but like the gateway drug into the world of knowledge management yeah. no, you know knowledge development note taking mm-hmm. it's um you know there's no diagrams, so it's a little vague, and a lot of people can misinterpret right. what he says, but you know it gets people I think really it introduces them to this, this whole world of, Oh, mm-hmm. I wonder if there's a way to like rethink how I'm actually consuming information, right. Ter- extracting it, turning it into knowledge and developing it. Yeah. Right. So,
1: yeah, yeah, I agree. It was um, yeah. I, I think he, I think he sort of, you know, kind of over promised a little bit and under, under delivered a little bit. Um, but, but I do think it's a good, I do think that it's actually kind of, an interesting, it is an interesting gateway drug or an interesting way in, Um, you know, there some of the people in the, uh, actually several of the people in the uh, book club knew you or knew of you. Um, I don't know that you know anybody, any of them personally, Chris Aldrich um, might be, you know, the most familiar to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and he's. Yeah, um,
0: that guy is uh, brilliant. If you want to know the the ins and outs and deep history of note taking note taking and even and beyond
1: commonplace books going back to the 15th yeah. century. Yeah. And it was it's kind of interesting because the first book that we read together um, back last God, it must have been last spring. It's been about nine months a year that we've been doing this was um, the Graeber Wengrow book, The Dawn of Everything. And so we were kind of looking at the distant past. And so that, you know, gave us an opportunity to talk about, you know, other, you know, like braiding sweetgrass and other, you know, other kinds of things that got into the ways that people, you know, sort of trained their brains to do things. And, you know, so Chris had a lot to contribute about, you know, memory palaces and, you know. Oh yeah. You know, the way that, that especially pre literate societies did that, that kind of stuff. Um, but, um, yeah, it was, it was very, it was interesting, um, for me because I, um, actually kind of wrote my, um, I wrote my, my dissertation, um, God, about, uh, about less than 10 years ago, I guess seems mm-hmm. like a, it seems like a hell of a long time. Um, I guess it was only, it was actually really only about, I finished it only about five, six years ago. Um, and I had been, uh, when I, and I had, and I had been off of the, um, I'd been kind of away from the research, um, for four or five years, really. Um, I had done a bunch of research around 2012 and then I had sort of let it sit, uh, till 2016. And then I had kind of a wake up call and I said, well, maybe I should finish this thing. Uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, and so I went back to all of that stuff. And so I had that, you know, kind of cold files issue, you know, where yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, you,
0: you, know, you you kind of had to like re- reignite what is called like uh, reverberation. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there's kind of like this interplay where, you know, notes, notes are essentially for the most part, Especially in, um, you know, the analog medium, they act as cues that kind of trigger on a whole line of other thoughts, which really helps, like, the writing process. Oh, nice. You got a cat.
1: I got two office cats. Uh, yeah, I, nice. That was one of them. That's nice. the one that likes to play catch. But I've got yeah. these. I actually have this pile. I just got... Amazon just delivered me a bunch of note cards.
0: Nice. Uh,
1: two 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 scams of note cards. So, like, 2,000 cards and two of these things that I'm going to start with. Yep. Snap, yep. I've got a bunch of together. those. Um, Did
0: you get a uh, four by six inch or three by five? I what got you're... three by
1: five. Cause I'm, yeah, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to keep my, um, I think I, I kind of think of the paragraph as sort of the basic unit of thought, but I like my, um, I like my topic sentences of the paragraphs to be what's on the cards. And I like yeah. them to be, you know, to be kind of, um, kind of succinct. Uh, yeah, and then I can, absolutely. you know, and then I can layer on, um, evidence and, and data and stuff. And that's one of the things actually that has been, um, a little bit challenging for me, uh, with the tools that I've been especially the the digital tools that I've used. I used Rome research for a little while, and then I kind of jumped over to, um, to Obsidian and mm-hmm. I was, um, and I liked Rome actually for the daily note thing. I liked sort of that, that practice of, you know, do it, writing the morning, you know, things and, um, and actually I'm, I'm alpha testing a new app that, um,
0: that there's it, always a new one. <laughs> yeah. that's
1: always, that's, that's very focused towards that calendar. Um, and that, and that was the thing oh, actually that very, really kind of never worked that well for me was um, sort of connecting my vault to my to my outlook calendar or to my time Um, you know i use time to kind of keep track of my track of what i'm doing all day long Um, Mm -hmm. and and that sort of thing Um, and i'm not i'm not a hundred percent kind of sold on that idea that it all has to be integrated and you know and and pkm has to be part of gtd and it all has to be yeah
0: exactly a
1: happy family Mm -hmm. Um, but when I went back, you know, after like four or five years of sort of not looking at the stuff that I had, um, I had gathered, I had gathered tons and tons. It was a, it was a, um, an American history um, f- dissertation about the, mm-hmm. about the early 19th century and about actually peppermint farmers across the the, oh, the East and into the, the Midwest um, mm-hmm. over several generations. Um,
0: yeah. And, and after, these were digital. Uh, and they were, and they were right. all
1: digital and they were all in. Um, and they were all in Tinder actually. Okay. So, um, yeah. you know, so I had tried, you know, and I had tried using, and I had, I had, you know, conversed, um, via email with Mark Bernstein, um, about Tinderbox, And I found Tinder, I found Tinder to be super, super steep learning curve. Um, and, you know, and something that I never really kind of became a power user. Of. I did manage to get, you know, all of my primary sources, all I, I, I read, you know, thousands of letters and, you know, and transcribed them and took the, you know, took the meat and put them in these notes. Uh, so I had them all kind of queued up, but then it, there wasn't really any output capability, right? So I, you know, and I played around with StoryScape actually for a little while, because I was also thinking about, you know, sort of writing nonlinear fiction. Um, and even StoryScape, I didn't think, you know, although it did have all of that, um, all that ebook and HTML kind of capability didn't really seem, you know, and, and I was too cheap to buy example, you know, ebooks um, that were only, you know, could only be looked at in that, um, in that format, I think at the time. Uh, and so I, I'm still fascinated with the idea of a nonlinear kind of a walk through, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, an idea space. Although I do also, I think, have to sort of accept the fact that a monograph is 99% of the time a path, a one-dimensional path through a forest of ideas, right? And, and so that's, that's sort of kind of the metaphor that's in my head about this, is that my, you know, my knowledge is this forest. Um, There are a whole lot of trees that, that you won't touch as you walk this particular path, but the ones that you do, you know, you will touch sort of in the arbitrary order (laughs) that I tell you to because of the way that I designed the path.
0: Um, Yeah. And, and, and that's what people want. They want the, the linear path that, you know, that you create for them Um, which is an interesting thing is Lumen, you know, Nicholas Lumen, you know, the creator of uh, you know, Zettelkasten always said, it's like, you know, if you're looking for linearity, um, you know, this is not something like you should not look to me like his books are, you know, notorious. It, it It's for being challenging where it's like, you know, the one benefit, you know, he says is you can start anywhere, but also the negative side is that if you're new to his material and his ideas, you really can't start anywhere. There's no linear integration to the concepts but once you kind of grasp it and this is what you know he was unapologetic in doing it this way um you know you can really start anywhere in his books anywhere and you know any chapter Um, have you read
1: the history of society or the what he called the the society of society in german um
0: yes i have the both volumes i haven't you know i've i've uh Perused them, or I guess not perused yeah. them, but I would I would say skimmed them, you know. Okay. And yeah. yes, Me they too. are they're they're yeah. drenched in a pedantic academic, yeah. you know, nineteen sixties, seventies, and eighties uh, German academia, yeah. and unapologetically um, yeah. impenetrable, you know, yeah. to the common public, you know. Yes. And and he he did that on purpose too, because he was packing in a lot of you could call them seemingly radical ideas, you know. He his. His theory of society was an anti-humanist theory of society or an Uh anti-human, meaning uh, humans are not the center of society. They are, you know, one um, element. Communication is an actual, you know, like the core element of society. And like, you know, the people are um, people are just one agent and actor in it. And so, you know, he didn't want to.
1: So are you saying that that his his idea was that we are like bees in the hive, and the hive is more important than the bees
0: um, yeah like and, and then there's this um this other aspect of uh, communication is a, a core aspect of it, mm-hmm. and uh, communication is like a almost like its own actor and entity, mm-hmm. and he wanted to be able to you know apply his theory of society to like um where it's it's not just about the current times and people like he wanted his, you know, theory of society essentially was influenced and stems from, as you, you know, you know, is systems theory. And he kind of applied systems theory and cybernetics and even uh, some biology type of uh, models and conventions like autopiosis, which is an interesting one, Hmm. which is where an organism um, and he he got influenced by this um, South American um, uh, set of biologists that introduced this really interesting research wherein like a system, a life form, an organism, and it's observed in biography can essentially recreate itself. And he applied, you know, so he's applied a lot of these, um, you know, if you're reading it and he says, you know, and very plainly in there. I propose an anti-humanistic view of society.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, his goal was for not the general public and critics to be able to like read him. Like he wanted to be have like a a, a very high bar for how to interpret him because he didn't want to be, you know, accessed by the common critics, public, and mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and misinterpreted. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, I think that that plus, obviously, at the in the German, and I, I guess it still was like this, the German academic climate at the time.
1: Uh-huh.
0: It's a badge of honor if someone reads your work or any academics read your work and they're utterly befuddled and confused. Yeah. And it takes them two or three yeah. reads to understand what you're trying to say. Yeah. I agree. Um, I, think,
1: I think that goes back to Kant, right? Yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> so I think what we're getting at, like, you know, we're kind of getting in the weeds here, but what we're getting at is a lot of people are like, you know, they, they get attracted to this whole idea of zettelkasten because of the whole um i would say like you know authority bias and hey there's this you know um uh mysterious amazingly intellectual brilliant you know german sociologist mm-hmm. that wrote prolific. 70 books prolific yeah. that wrote 70 books and 600 you know peer-reviewed publications in 30 years. Mm-hmm. And so the first question is, how do you do this? And then you know you look and oh, there's the Zettelkosten method. But when you dig a little deeper, like you have, like I have, and you read Lumen's actual output, his work, it is, you know, very dense and confusing. And then the next question becomes, which a lot of people don't get to, it's like, wait, why do I actually want to, you know, implement this type of system if it right. will make my writing insanely complex and confusing for the general public the you know, the common reader mm-hmm. and the answer to that. And it's what we're kind of talking about and is, you know, he deliberately chose to be hard to access and hard to decipher. Uh, partly because of the german academic climate and also he was almost this uh, carnivalesque you know trollish kind of character that you know would have a smirk on his face of uh you know saying seemingly contradictory paradoxical uh mm-hmm. things and uh you know like creating a um, you know a theory of society that is anti-human you know humanist yeah. 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 Uh, or anti-human uh, you know humans aren't but what he means by that humans aren't at the center but yeah. anyway yeah we're uh we're, we're already down the whole, the, the Lumen trail, but uh, yeah, that's, that's one yeah. interesting. Well, I think, I
1: think that, I think that's, I think people do get confused about that, right? Because they hear that, you know, that his writing was sort of impenetrable, you know, first, first they they're impressed with his, with the fact that he was so prolific. Right. And they're like, mm-hmm. yes, I want that. Right. And then they hear, well, his writing was impenetrable and a lot of people, Hated it. Right. And a lot of people thought, you know, this guy's a shitty writer. Mm -hmm. And the one thing really doesn't have to do with the other. Right. The writing style and the and the ability to, you know, to generate ideas and to, you know, and to read and process information and, you know, and get it ready for output. You know, I'm not concerned with the style. Right. And I, you know, I have the same, I have, I have a similar issue with a lot of academic historians that don't, you know, that write for peers and not for the public. Right. So I have, you know, kind of a side project of, of trying to communicate history in a way that is engaging and relevant to the general public. Um, And that has, and that, and there is a lot of writing style, you know, and, and, uh, and, and language and diction and, you know, and all of that, that that goes into that. But that's a whole separate, I mean, that's, that's a whole, that's another project. So I don't, I don't really worry that much about his, about Luman style. I actually, I, I interlibrary loaned the books they came, you know, during the semester. I was very busy. I glanced at them, and I had them on my shelf until they were due. And then I thought, should I should I renew them or should I just do it another time? And I decided to do it another time. So, yeah. you know, when I retire, I'll I'll read I'll read Luman. But in yeah. the meantime, um, one of the things, and and I I did write a list of things, and I, I maybe want to ask you these questions out of order. Um, one of the things that Luman promised in the 1981. Um, you know, um, communicating with slip boxes. And that, uh, you know, and that Schmidt and Krajewski seemed also to be kind of doubling down on that, that potential, and even Aaron's did, right, was this sort of emergent property of the slip box, right, that it would become a conversation partner. And, um and just, and actually, just last week, we were talking about in the in the book club, we were talking about whether that means it's better than Having an actual partner, and I think I think I recall Luman actually at one point said it's not as good as actually having somebody to talk to who knows you. But a lot of the times we don't, and so this is the next best thing. Um, but my question, I'm taking a long time getting to it, is: Have you had that experience? Have you had that moment where this, where there's you know the the slipbox has produced or shown you a connection that you had sort of forgotten about or that you weren't aware of.
0: Yeah. And um, yeah, let's, let's talk about this. I call this, I would call this like the second mind. No, I don't call it necessarily. It's just the second brain. And there's a reason because how Lumen (laughs) Lumen called it the second memory. And Uh he also called it his alter ego, or even in his notes when he was preparing his paper on it, he called it ghost in the box, like Zeit in, you know, uh, mm-hmm. they cost in or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's, let's, let's jump into this. I could, and then um, I would look, I, I looked at your questions as well. And, um, you know, maybe I can give them after this, like a brief um, little background of, you, were, you know, yeah. this crazy journey that I've been on for the past year and a half of, you know, reverse engineering lumens, actual yeah. analog settle cost and, building it out like behind me. And I can, you know, yeah. share with you my journey in, in that, but um, yeah, why don't we just, why don't we, Jump into straight the 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 question of uh, of have I had that conversation partner yeah. emerge and so the the one important thing I would like to state and say is that you know I I went on the similar journey like a lot of your um, readers went through it sounds like with the how to take smart notes by Zanke Arns um, I was introduced to Sanke Aarons when I purchased, you know, one of those, um, you know, uh, expensive six week long cohort courses around, you know, PKM. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got value out of that. But what the most one of the most valuable things I got out of that was it turned me on to Sanke Aarons' book, which I had heard about and Googled, you know, Zettelkasten even before that. And, yeah. you know, I, I got to I landed on like Zettelkasten DE, you know, the, that website and, you know, what i read was oh you know the zettel costume was created by a german bureaucrat you know and workaholic named nicholas lumen and i'm like i stopped there and i was like okay i don't really care about you know becoming a bureaucrat that sounds that's not in my life goals in my vision you know right. um at at this point and um we'll talk about that there here in a second but you know my my uh, my vision was not to become a German bureaucrat, <laughs> sociologist. So I just forgot about it. Yeah. But then I then I came across you know the how to take smart notes, and I read that in maybe three or four days, and uh-huh. I took deep notes on it. And I was like, wow, this is fascinating. I actually understand, or what I thought I understood was um you know how Nicholas Lumens system actually worked. Uh-huh. You know the whole concept of. Uh, fleeting notes. He called them project notes as well. There's literature notes and permanent notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I discovered, and then, you know, if, after reading that, I was like, you know, he had once innocuous sentence in there, like, um, you know, you can start and try the analog way, which is you start with, you know, one, and then the next note is 1-1, dash and then 1-1a, dash and then, uh-huh. you know, he kind of gave this whole sample sequence. Right. And I've later actually discovered that that explanation is wrong. Like Lumen did not. He actually started with some rough, I call them fuzzy categories, as what Pinker would say, but some rough top-level branches or categories. But um, anyway, he turned me on to um, actually trying the analog Zettelkasten. And it was very soon after that that I was like, oh, my God, this is – and this is – by the way, this is after I had created – Uh, a thousand notes or at least files in obsidian Uh created spent three months you know creating and applying the best practices of everything i learned in the pkm course um and i was you know of, of of at first of course taken by obsidian taken really by the app the app is a beautiful app it's snappy it's fast um but what i was left with was and my goal was to kind of um synthesize and link together my interests, which revolves around, um, my background is in marketing and copywriting and creating stories that really inspire people and to, you know, help motivate people in, um, around products and services, you know, that I believe in. Mm -hmm. And so I spent my, you know, career doing that in copywriting essentially, but I was looking to synthesize, um, my readings across psychology, philosophy, You know, marketing, creating movements, inspiring people, and there's a lot of commonalities and themes across those subjects. And so that's how I, you know, ended up finding Obsidian. After, um, you know, trying a bunch every tool known to man. You know, I've gone everything you can name. You know, like I've first used, I think Evernote early on in its you know beginnings in 2008. You know, I've used Trello, Excel has actually been a pretty good. PKM tool, believe it or not, uh, (laughs) for linking things. Uh Um, but anyway, so after, after trying Obsidian and being like, okay, after, you know, three and a half months of just spending a lot of time and creating, you know, a thousand notes applying, I would call it, it's a perfect vehicle, at least, you know, if you want to major in the minor, like I was, I restructured and refactored my whole directory scheme and everything like multiple times you know, Uh got lost with the shortcuts, hockey, CSS, loved it. Right. But then when I started in the analog way and actually developing it, I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is how it's supposed to work. And um, one of the things that I've always uh, loved and found with the, the analog medium is, you know, taking notes and writing notes out by hand, explaining it pen to paper in your own words. And that, kind of distraction-free environment allows me to really, and allows a lot of people, I think, to deeply process mm-hmm. knowledge and information. So they can, I, I call it neuro imprinting, stamping it onto your mind. Um, and so once I, but, you know, I always ran into problems with the, the analog medium of being able to actually find my notes. Like I've, you know, tried commonplace books, mm-hmm. bullet journals. Um, I had for 15 years, three by five inch, uh, you know, no cards using them, but it was organized by um, book author or topic,
1: uh-huh. right? So
0: stacks and stacks and, you know, boxes, but I can never really find the, each individual thought or idea uh-huh. easily. Yeah. And the analog Zettelkasten really, really solved that problem for me. Now, what I later discovered after starting this journey is uh, Sankei Ahrens got a lot of the things that he describes in his book wrong. And for instance, the one idea per note card is wrong. Lumen frequently, you know, he created thought streams or streams of thoughts that would branch across many cards. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there would be subcomponents in the thoughts that you can like, you know, insert and stuff like that. And so I essentially, you know, got to this point. This is about like two months into trying the analog Zettelkasten version um, being inspired by Zanke Arns that I was like, you know what? Like if I'm going to go this deep on it, I should actually... Um, learn how it really works and see what the primary sources are. Mm-hmm. So that turned me on to, you know, the three primary sources, the first source and the best source is the digitized online archive of Nicholas Lumen's actual Zettel Kostin. at the university. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And so I started I started there. And what I did is this is a seemingly kind of crazy thing to do is the first collection, you know, he has got two Zettelkostens, which are note boxes, right? Um, the first collection has been largely transcribed into text, you know, German text. So what I would, what I did, this is for like, I don't know, a few weeks is I would go into his online archive. I would, um, you know, go to the uh, each individual card. I would then translate it to English. And then I would write out by hand his actual note cards in English Uh and the numbers, you know, Uh to actually understand how it flowed and how it worked. Uh Um, you know, and some of, some of the stuff like that, I thought he did, um, I was right about and, but some of the stuff that I thought he, you know, he did from reading orange, I was, uh, wrong about. And there I've, I've discovered that orange, you know, um, uh, you know, Arvin's is very vague, which is fine. You know, he was kind of kind of get people to move along and just get him started, yeah. right? I think Ar- um, I think
1: Arons's main sources were Schmidt and Krajewski.
0: Yes, um, yes, definitely Schmidt. Yeah. yeah, I I don't know if I, but yeah, maybe you you know better than me. I didn't see a Krajewski, but I wasn't looking for. Oh, Marcus uh, Krajewski, um, isn't
1: wasn't he? He wrote another one of those, um, another one of those articles that I.
0: Mm-hmm. But I read yeah.
1: months, you know, about a year ago, um, and I think he may have been, I don't know, was it in Forgetting Machines or I I'm not yep. sure. Was. Yeah. yeah, it
0: was. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. That that was a that was a good one. I, I discovered that much later on. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. actually, that's kind of how i think how i found you is i like searched krajewski you know oh, yeah, and i found yeah. your video i was like oh this is like you know yeah. very niche but this is yeah. awesome i had just read it and it's yeah. it's it's enjoyable to after you go deep on something and read it to like you know hear someone else talking about it and summarizing mm-hmm. it and your video yeah. was just awesome you know Thank you. it's like Thank you. some people well,
1: yeah and 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 one of the things that uh, that i think is really brilliant about what you're doing is that you actually went to the Luman archive and you're actually, you know, and you, and you actually didn't take anybody's word for it, but, but did it, ex- did it yourself and experienced it yourself. And I think that that adds a ton yeah. of value. Um, so I'm, I'm really curious to hear more about you yeah. know, the, things, well, uh, the things, the things that you discovered that were not actually, described accurately
0: yeah well here and i'm finally getting sorry like i've gone down these rabbit holes but i think it's it's very necessary pretext to to um what i'm getting at which is the second source that i went to was um was nicholas lumen's paper that he wrote about the zettelkasten and uh-huh. it's called communication with note boxes
1: right the
0: 1981 right? One. yep yep and um and so when i went through that and that that's a like like Lumen's writings are it's a dense read that took me like almost like almost a month, honestly. And it's only maybe like if you print it out, maybe six or seven pages, you know, depending on the font size. Mm-hmm. But every sentence you have to parse. So I spent time going deep on every sentence, which kind of neuro imprinted what he was really seeing on my mind. Yeah. And in that paper, that's where you really discover what Lumen was actually talking about and what he said. You know, he calls it, you know, like the title of his paper is communication with note boxes. And I don't really remember in, in uh, Ahrens' book, it didn't talk about a lot of the elements that came out of the paper. Communication is a huge element and variable that Lumen talks about. Mm-hmm. Um, randomness And surprises is another huge concept that he talks about and goes really deep on Mm -hmm. comparison, like comparing ideas. And that is really what the practice of, um, you know, the Zettelkasten forces you to do. Mm -hmm. Whenever you have a new idea, you are forced to then compare that idea with your already created set of ideas in your Zettelkasten to find the closest comparable associated nearest neighbor for it to fit next to or under, right? Okay. So it re-exercises your mind to be like, okay, what does this remind me of? Um, it creates, you know, associations. So this whole thing is an associative chain, right? Which also I didn't really find in obsidian. Obsidian is kind of like their um, remote associations, and you're not necessarily forced to find. You can find like the concept and. I, you know, the general concept and link it to them or create tags for it, right. but with the analog that'll cost and you're forced to actually find the closest, nearest neighbor in that line of thought and link it to it. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So that's another idea. And then um, the other thing was, you know, he talks about, Lumen talks about in his paper, how it is a, um, you know, a communication partner. It is his second memory who he can communicate with and it is his alter ego And um, that's one of the things in, if you browse his notes when he was preparing that paper and talking about what the Zettelkasten was, he talks about how he doesn't have enough, uh, there's not enough uh, of a research budget or academic funding for him to have an assistant. So, you know, the thing that he always relied upon was he's like, I don't need an assistant, you know, employees are too expensive. I'm just going to use my settle cost and as my communication partner
1: theory, theory of everything time, 30 years, budget zero.
0: Yep. (laughs) So the, the, the question is, is have I experienced this and I call it, I, I went deep into Lumen's word that he used to describe this alter ego and second mind and ghost in the box. And I, mm-hmm. I call it, I call it the second mind and um, you know, it's, it's not like a a second brain is kind of like the um the, the convention used by uh you know building a second brain forte and that's more getting things done productivity and this is not a second brain this is actually a second mind it is your second self your past self um who you essentially can uh communicate with and have like this uh it's it's an internal dialogue mm-hmm. so when you're going through your notes written in your own handwriting um, seeing, you know, different types of even I've got like no cards, no card sizes. I've even got like three by five inch cards that are like lime green that I remember using. in, you know, when I was in college, this is back like, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Right. Yeah. And so what that does is that creates and engages this almost like it's this internal dialogue in this external context around your thoughts. So you're like, oh, wow, that's crazy that I had that thought back then. You know, Uh I kind of remember where I was at the time and this essentially acts as a cue, which you see it in your own writing to create this second mind and this almost conversation experience and this internal dialogue that goes along when you're reviewing your notes. Uh And my point is I have not found that in the digital, you know, in Obsidian or the digital um, realm of PKM Uh and, you know, Part of the reason is that like you know you you see your life and your past self you know uh in that card, it took you a ton of time because you had to sit down and deliberately write by hand mm-hmm. um and then what what it also does is you can you know I don't know like th- with obsidian and at least with me, I'm like I come across old ideas, I'm like, did I actually write that and with this is like you can you actually know, hey, I wrote that, and yeah. this is in my wording right. and um and so. You know from that angle it creates like yet another um, uh, 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 instantiation of that kind of like mm-hmm. internal conversation that you have yeah um yeah. and so yeah
1: this has this actually i i have to i i hate to admit it, but this has been my my archive and you know and spotlight has been you know. <laughs> although I, I although i would like there to be a a better tool it has been um i mean that that's that's kind of that's still sort of the major thing right i still you know i have you know probably 4 terabytes of shit on there and <laughs> you know and so you know and i have been you know i've been putting things into the Yeah, right. And generally, you know, it's kind of weird because, you know, like I I did, I said, I sort of claimed that I think the the paragraph is is sort of the basic unit of thought. That doesn't tend to be the way I write. I tend to write these long, you know, these thousand to fifteen hundred, two thousand word essays um that are kind of you know and that came from you know I've been like journaling forever and you know just sort of writing you know morning notes and daily notes and journal entries and blog posts and you know since I think I've been blogging since like 1999 um I used to be in the I used to be in high tech before I was before I went back to to grad school um Mm -hmm. but um what i've the, the thing that has been difficult in obsidian for me has been you know i've jammed all of this stuff in got this beautiful looking you know chart view um, graph or, yeah graph bubble view, graphs yeah, the graph view, I love that you know i like that i like the, the I like the connections there isn't really a way to sort of have have a a split screen thing where you can follow the connections particularly easy. Um, so maybe that's a, you know, maybe that's technology that they'll develop later, but, but that is, that is kind of what I'm looking for because I'm at the point now where I'm, you know, I'm ready to get some stuff out right? yeah, where I'm, the output. Where, where I'm, I'm looking for, I'm looking for an, an easier way to the output. And that's, you know, and, and so when I, when I wrote, my dissertation, like I said, I had all these notes in tinderbox in little things that looked like, you know, three by five cards on my screen, Mm -hmm. but then I cut and paste those into the actual things that really look like cards in, um, Scrivener, right. -hmm. So I've got those, they've got the, you know, they've got the view that looks like a nested outline. Then I've got the other view that looks like a bunch of cards that you can drag around and all of that. Um, and that, kind of struck, I mean, that, that was the way that I actually did it because I thought of, you know, my, my you know, my dissertation, well, it's gotta be 300 pages long. My average paragraph is about, you know, two thirds of a page. That means I need, you know, 500 paragraphs, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I need 500 of those little cards. Right. <laughs> so that yep. was, that was like an easy, uh, you know, kind of an easy thing. And then I could edit, you know, I could say, well, okay, I've said, I've said enough about that. I need to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so that's one of the things that I don't feel like I'm getting right now. And and it may also be yeah. that again, the you know, that I'm not good enough mm, as a yeah. as a as a as an obsidian power user, right? You know, sometimes I talk to Eleanor and it's like, oh crap, you know, this is too much. Um, and I don't, I'm, I'm not really that. I'm not really that interested in being on the Discord and talking about the you know the the new latest. Yeah, you you,
0: you you don't want to be a professional note taker. You want to actually be a uh, you know be a writer and create knowledge that. Well, yeah, consume.
1: and and, I mean, and and at one point in my life, you know, I was uh, you know I was a you know, a Unix system administrator. And I was, you know, and I was, you know, I knew how to code in C and C++, mm-hmm. but that was a long, long time ago. And I don't know how to do that stuff anymore. And I don't really mm-hmm. want to, you know, I don't, you really don't want to
0: major in the minor. Those. You, you yeah. want to, you want to do what you want to create, you know, you want to become, you don't want to be a note-taking machine. You want to be a writing machine. You want to be a, you know, a knowledge machine. You want to, um, you know, create, uh, you want to create, uh, you know, you want to do. Re- you want to have a system to do research, and then you want to yep. uh, have a way to easily have it. Um, you know, create output. Yeah, yeah. If if you on my ch- on my channel, there's a way. I it's funny. Is I um uh you'll see there's like a um uh, videos there's a, a, a few videos that it's how to write a book using an analog Zettelkasten, okay. and for a long time. So um, I so. To, to backtrack, I've been working on a book explaining this and going into like the deep theoretical knowledge and basically a book on uh, creating an analog Zettelkasten. I created uh, the term and I started calling it an antinet because I thought that sounded cooler than continuing to call it an analog Zettelkasten. Okay. And an antinet then has you know developed its own acronym, um, the anti, you know, is analog numeric alpha card addresses, you know, there's like the starting with the numbers and then ending in an alpha character. Yeah. And then tree, because each one branches down a tree index. And it's a network of that. But it's also, you know, a double entendre jab at the uh, you know, the 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 overly digital world in the internet internet. So it sounds like anti-internet, right? A little it, bit it does. too. So. Does. And I was wondering
1: about that. I was wondering, you know, yeah. how, how anti the, you know, the network are right. and, and and are there some network effects, you know, that you you know that you are taking advantage of and you know and are there some things that uh, because i'm not you know i'm not, i'm i'm not feeling like i'm a member of you know and 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 to their credit obsidian didn't you know go quite as cultish as rome did um <laughs> but uh, yeah. but i you know but i i don't feel i don't feel like i have to you know only use obsidian i think there there might be some things that obsidian might still do for me but i'm really really curious about this idea of um and i actually did um de- i designed a, a course for for faculty in, in my state system where i co-designed and i and i i um I ran the course on uh, retrieval practice. And so a lot of the stuff that you're saying about, you know, sort of building these, these, you know, these mental hooks and, you know, and, you know, and mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, that what in, in retrieval practice, they call a desirable difficulty, right. Where you have to, you know, you have to take the time to to do the work of, mm-hmm. you know, physically writing something out. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can, you know, and, 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 and Aaron's, I think was aware, I mean, as I was reading that, and, and I read it twice, um, it did seem to me that he was aware of retrieval practice, because he's using <coughs> a lot of that terminology, you know, in yeah. kind of a way that seemed very familiar to me, but, um, but it didn't, yeah, but, but it, did, it did also seem to be, you know, kind of missing that output end. Right. That he mm-hmm. sort of waved his hands at some, you know, at some things and sort of and sort of doubled down on some of the, you know, some of the promises and the claims that that Luman and Schmidt had made about, you know, how these insights, you know, how the how the slip box becomes greater than the sum of the parts. Yeah. and how these insights are kind of formed um, where I'm actually going with it right now this month is I have I actually have a writing handbook that um, that my my father uh, who was an English teacher when I was a kid, and then he became a, a lecturer at um, UC Davis, and um, and he was a lecturer, not a um, you know he got his PhD there, but then in incomplete, and then he stayed, and you know he didn't go the tenure track, so he taught all of the um, all the survey courses, and that mm-hmm. you know all of the you know the the ancients, the, you know, the medievals, the moderns, you know, all of the canonical literature. And that was kind of really what he, he liked to do, but he wrote this, you know, this writing handbook because the students didn't know how to write. And he, and he just um, donated it to, to Davis and they, you know, they ran it off at the copy shop and sold it to students for like $1.75 or something. Um, and when he retired, I, took it over and I actually used it for, I started using it for my students when I was a grad student and then I used it here um, at my job in Bemidji. And I thought, well, okay, what if I, and I added, and he had done it specifically for the humanities, right, for, for writing essays about literature. And I had added kind of a social sciences thing with examples, you know, mm-hmm. social science writing. Um, and then I was thinking, well, if I Revised it now. It's been about I don't know five or ten years since it's been out there. Um, then I could add this note-taking thing because that—that's sort of the thing that's assumed, right? He talked a little bit about you know when you're you know when you're taking notes, when you're highlighting. These are the things to you know to sort of look for. But then it was always very open-ended, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so I was thinking, well, you know, maybe I'll add a piece that you know that includes you know some different examples that that won't you know that i don't i don't want to require my students and actually it's kind of funny because i i introduced one student um who was working on her her senior thesis to obsidian and she went crazy with it we're having another thunderstorm here
0: yeah there you uh, go
1: <laughs> and uh and and so she she just she had a, a blast with it and i i made a uh, I made a video with her about, you know, her and and it it told her some things, right, that she wouldn't have seen otherwise. And so I thought that was kind of a nice moment. Um, mm-hmm. And then I had another um, another thesis student who I said, you know, how are you organizing? And she said, oh, I've just got cards. And I go, you know, and I get a I get a room, you know, I get a study room at the library with a big table and I just put them down and I move them around. And, you know, yeah said, oh, my God, take a picture of that next time you do that, because yeah. I wanna,
0: that's you know. that's exactly what I did organizing my uh, my book. Um, and then you could file it. I filed it in, um, you know, my Zettelkasten and, Uh um, yeah, there's something, I I mean, so what you described is you kind of did that same thing with Scrivener. You essentially like used no cards to kind of outline the book. And Uh I used my, you know, my physical desk and I created, um, you know, three by five inch cards that had then card links to the specific areas in my net. You know essentially that like that I wanted to to pull from. And those sections emerged, you know, in this like uh, I would call it this emergent way, unplanned way. Cool. Right. Then then I went through after I kind of finished, I was like, I spent about six months researching mm-hmm. and then, you know, then kind of going back and creating the main sections. And then when you when you um when you're doing this, you create kind of like little topics, subtopics within within the main branch that you're working on. Mm-hmm. And then I put you know, the subtopics on three by five inch cards with the links in them and then rearranged it all on my, you know, one big table over there. Right. And created like a bunch of columns. And watched, subsections. I watched that
1: video where you had them. We had them. A, a yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And then just worked column by column, chapter by chapter. And, you know, it's just something about that. You know, it seems to, so um, you know, it's just the elementary process, but it just works. And uh, that's something that, you know, that worked, worked for me, for me and do in um, when I went, came time to writing Mm -hmm. and um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing that I've experienced from this, the analog Zettelkasten is that, you know, the, the writing experience. So, you know, there's, there's a few phases. There's the, when Lumen would read a book, he had a, a vertical, you know, four by six inch card, essentially. And he would write, you know, vertically, very concise page number, and then the concise idea. Mm -hmm. And then after his reading session, you know, he would go through and be like, okay, which ones do I want to actually develop into main four by, you know, four by six inch cards and write as right by hand, as if I'm writing and explaining and putting it into my uh, research paper or, you know, or mm-hmm. yeah, essentially a research paper, you know, cause right. well, a lot of, th-
1: that's the moment when it becomes the writing you're writing either for your future self or you're writing for, or for an, for an external audience.
0: Yes. Yeah, exactly. And um, you know, one of the things that people kind of overlook is if, if you, if you, you know, factor in and calculate like, you know, 600 research papers over the span that he wrote, he was writing a, you know, one he was every month he was working on between one or two research papers at a time yeah. and so he would take on these publication requests which essentially served as his you know main essentially you know small milestones and small projects which then each of those small pieces and sections and lines of thoughts that he would create from that would end up and create like a cohesive much bigger you know book and that's how he was able to kind of take this you know that material and then be like oh you know what like i have enough for a book right here in this junk now i'm going to like take all the the content and knowledge that i have been essentially unearthed from reading and from creating these research paper product projects into a book um And so, yeah, that's, that's, so he would, he would read, you know, with a, uh, I call them bib cards, bibliography cards, you know, on the front, he, in horizontal, he had it organized by author last name on the back. He had those very brief um, bib notes or, you know, brief observation notes, and then he would take them and he would create main notes out of them, the main four by six inch cards. And then, you know, the way that he would find it, every single card he had in the top right corner, he had a, you know, that numeric alpha card address i call it numeric alpha because it always started with a number uh-huh. and it just and it also fit my acronym scheme of the yeah. internet yep. and uh and so and then he would you know kind of develop the thought and it's like that's the knowledge development process um right there and you know things uh-huh. things would then emerge so in my experience writing you know i would you know i would take the like the sixth the thick set of uh you know main cards put them next to my desk and being in writing and when I'm writing, I'm like, I'm starting kind of like writing word for word, but then I would like have to like re-understand what, what I, you know, what, what I actually wrote and what I, the meaning I interpreted. So then I would, while I'm writing into my, you know, word editor, right. I'm, I'm kind of rehaving that conversation, re-understanding my old second mind, my past self, but also doing that is like just writing word for word is boring. So you're also having fun with it. And, right. you know, you're, you're adding more material, you're concise, you're consolidating okay. things, you're making things a lot clearer uh-huh. so that by the time that, you know, you, your readers actually read your material, it's been taking, th- taken through a, you know, it's been um, multiple processes. So it's like a multi-process. Yeah. And a lot of people, they just, you know, they sit down at a blank screen and they, you know, writer's block. And by right. the time they hit the publish button, um, you know, their thoughts haven't really been that deeply processed. So right. you're not you know, putting something out there that is even worth necessarily reading in the first place. Mm -hmm. When you do this, you're like, you know, the material that you are, you're writing have also stemmed from not just a community. You're not just having a communication with yourself experience with yourself, you're having a communication experience during that time you're reading a communication experience with the author. And this is something that Mortimer Adler talks about in his book called how to read a book. He calls, you know, reading a book and reading an author as a communication experience. Mm -hmm. So you're conversing not only with that author, but also all of the people and you know, that have communicated with that author and with that author. And it's like this line. So you're kind of continuing this deep thought, Dialogue mm-hmm. and um, carrying it forth. So, yeah. Yeah. anyway, that's another unique workflow that I just haven't experienced myself using, you know, mm-hmm. Obsidian, Digital, and, and yeah. Uh, and,
1: and I think I think that Aaron's tries to get there with you know this idea of literature notes and permanent notes, but mm-hmm. but I think actually I like. I prefer the way that you've described it, actually, as bib cards and bib notes, and then moving on to to main notes. Because Mm -hmm. one of the things that that I tend to do is, and for the longest time, (coughs) actually, I resisted using any type of automation. know and then finally i relented and i let Readwise sweep my highlights into obsidian and then you know and i put and they go in a separate folder and then i would you know i would kind of process those so i've got all you know i would have all of these notes from you know something like um fooled by randomness right and you know and you know or even or even worse you know anti-fragile right where you know, where where he's going, you know, he's drawing from. And it's like, oh, yeah, I, I remember that from, um, from, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kahneman. Right? Cause he's, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, because he's channeling Kahneman. And so, uh, so I, you know, so I would notice these things. Um, I think the problem, I think actually the thing, I think that was probably a, what I should say is I think that was probably a mistake doing the, the sweep because then I had too much. Right. And then I've got this really
0: long yep, over selection.
1: Yeah, I've got this really long set of reading notes mm-hmm. that you know can go on, you know, for a couple thousand words. Excuse me, I'm just gonna close this window. Yeah, no worries. Uh, that should make it a little quieter. Um and um and yeah and and so then then the challenge was okay, which of these ideas do I really care about, you know? And, and so Mm -hmm. that transition, I think from the bib notes to the the main notes, and probably you're right, having them, and maybe I will get some four by six cards because it would be kind of tight on the back of one of these. But, um, but even, you know, four by six, even having just, you know, four inches to write, you know, maybe one, two lines about each, um, about each idea would be a valuable discipline.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, I think what w- what I found is w- what it forces is the um, forces you to be very concise with the ideas and yeah. you don't want to get bogged down by reading. It also forces you because it's 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 easy, a lot easier. I used to read, you know, Kindle and have a ton of Kindle highlights and any anything that like I was trying to concentrate on even. Um, you know I would highlight and then I would be inundated with highlights and I'm like wait which one's really important right. so what, what, it, what it kind of forces you to do is like you know it's um, it forces you to not fall into the over selection you want to select less you right. want to extract less from the books you are reading and then you want you want to even develop less from those extractions because mm-hmm. it forces you to like you know, only focus on really the key core ideas that really fit into what you're actually working on, right? Because um, you know, like it, it ranges how how many notes he took from each book. But like, even if even if books had like you know thirty bib notes on them, you know, thirty observations and individual entries with a page number,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, if you if you look at if you look at you know he had like fifteen thousand bib cards in his second cost. and right. um, if you do the ratio is, is for every book and for every bib card, um, you know, he only created about four, you know, three or four main notes. So that's a lot of people think, Oh, if I'm going to create 30, you know, 30 little brief observations, 30 different page numbers, I'm going to have to actually create main permanent notes out of every single one of those 30. It's like, you don't like on average, he created only four, four, you know, main notes. Essentially, mm. you know that furthered his idea. Of course, you can, yeah, right, exactly. use those other ones.
1: Examples of that main idea that are exactly. repeated in the book. Yeah. So, so he goes from fifteen thousand bib notes to about ninety thousand main notes.
0: I think he had like sixty thousand or, okay, or something. Okay, maybe, maybe the grand uh, total of all Sixty-seven thousand, I all believe right. it was. Uh, that's very yeah. Good. yeah that's 60,
1: about four four and a half
0: to one then yeah sixty seven thousand I believe I have like okay. his cool um yeah something like that all um right. so yeah that's that's another thing is you know
1: oh wow that's funny your um <laughs> YouTube just notified me of your video on making mistakes in analog zettle cost
0: oh yeah yeah I recorded that one yesterday yeah oh. that's funny all
1: right
0: <laughs> yeah 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 uh. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that in that one, because a lot of people have they get, you know, scared about, oh, I need to like perfectly plan it, especially with the the branches and the, the numbers, the, the fixed numbers, you know. And it's like people are like I, I used the academic disciplines, academic disciplinary fields and like the Wikipedia's outline just as like a rough fuzzy category, is like a, a stru- like an outline structure, you know, if, like um, and that's something Lumen used he, as well. Like he had his, he had 11 top level categories for his second settle Koston, you know, that were very specific on his, you know, theory of everything for society. Right. You know, like, you know, one would be like functional functionalism, you know, and they went up to the branches went up to four numbers. So they didn't, he didn't just start at random, like one, two, three, four, you know, he had like a, a very rough, That that outline. makes more
1: sense. Um, I the last time I tried very very briefly to do to do something with cards, I started with one, and then I wasn't sure if I should go to two or should it be one A, and then it was. And that, yeah, that, that was that was a little bit too much friction.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and he he went up to four digits, so he would have like, you know, like one one three four was, you know, his ideology. So it's like one one three four slash one was like definition of ideology, 1134 slash two was, you know, ideology in, you know, economy. And like, you know, so, so he would he kind of broke it up like that. And, you know, so when he wrote one, it it actually maps to 1000. He just didn't want to bother writing 1000, you know, he would uh-huh. just do one. But that was like the top level category. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. yeah. So,
1: yeah. And and it does seem like the, uh, and I, and I think I noticed it in one of your videos, the two kind of index cards. One of the one of the things, you know, one of the um, kind of perennial conversations that we've been having in this book club when we do talk about um, about obsidian and and and, um, and note taking uh, systems is that idea of you know top down or bottom up. Um, you know, map mm-hmm. content. You know, or is that too? You know, is that too notiony? Is that too prearranged? You know, you and have a folder for everything before you even know what you're going to put in it, kind
0: of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Those are kind of like the, the 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 buzzwords that I would say make more sense in the digital realm. And you know, like yeah, that that whole school of thought and conventions, like the map of content yeah. and, and all of that. Um, and I'm I'm trying to like explain it within like the analog realm of uh kind of how that that works and you know it's essentially like think of like the you know the the main box the set of box the cards as like your own tree think of it like as your own tree of knowledge you know that kind of going back that's like one of the the oldest metaphors that i think people keep going back to like i think even aristotle you know went back to is like you know mapping knowledge and using a metaphor as like a tree tree structure. So think of like the, the, you know, your main box as your tree of knowledge, each individual leaf on your tree is a note card. Mm -hmm. And, you know, each individual uh, position of each leaf has like, you know, its own uh, address. Right. And it's not like it's a hierarchy, you know, like, the leaf on like the top branch isn't more important than the leaf on the bottom branch. It's just the location. It's the coordinates that that's what the numeric alpha card addresses are. It's just the coordinates, the latitude, longitude of the location of where it's at on the tree. Right. right. So you can kind of know and be like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, go up to the top, the top branch. I know is like the, so, you know, social sciences branch and, you know, the history branch. And I'm going to continue to follow along and I can kind of continue to move along with the number of sequences to kind of find things. But, Um, above that, if and and if you want to do that, you can do that. That's kind of like exploring your tree of knowledge one by one by moving along the branches. But the um, if you are thinking, oh, like uh, you know, um, you know, peppermint, like the keyword peppermint, the map, the separate map onto your tree, and like the location, um, that's what the index is, you know. So that's that's where. The, the index I've been in, in one of these, you know, my top box right here, uh-huh. you know, and it's just a, let's see, let's see. Uh-huh. it's just alphabetized based alphabetized on by keyword, keyword. Yeah. And the keyword there's that I think of, so I would have peppermint and I would go to peppermint P, you know, uh-huh. you look it up. I'll just show you like an example of like one, um, Here's like in, in P, I have like population, you uh-huh. know, like, and I, I've created, this is something Lumen didn't do, but I create like individual note cards for each big key term, like so I can alphabetize it. So that's population and then geography, you know, and I have that card address and that's like my geo coordinate. Like, so population of China, mm-hmm. ch- population, geography, cities, two, two, three, six. Right. So you would say peppermint and then, and then you just pull in the that box and go to like, you know, let's say it's two, two, three, six. And then when you follow two, two, three, six, you can follow that all the way down. And that whole line of thought around peppermint Mm -hmm. and which, you know, like peppermint for your thesis, right. Which there's probably, you know, 15 different subtopics within that. And within that subtopics, you know, you can continue branching down and getting, and so when you write that way, you're almost writing, it's almost like, imagine, imagine if it, instead of, imagine if obsidian wasn't like a bunch of atomic notes, you know, but one just massive document with bullet points and nested bullet points. That's like essentially what, you know, that, that is. and your job. Anytime you want to add a new piece of knowledge is to add it under, you know, or after the nearest, most similar bullet point, which is the thought, you know,
1: that I think is going to be the key to this whole discipline. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that that's the thing that's really kind of resonating with me and and kind mm-hmm. of going the most in this conversation is as something that I'm not doing that would that would make my process more successful is you know is actually sitting with you know not you know not okay I've got you know I've got this book and I got to get these notes out of it and get them all onto cards and jam the cards into a drawer. Um, but rather that you know i want to sit with this you know when it gets when it goes from the the bib note to being a main note then i have to actually ask myself what's the closest connection in that's in the box already
0: yeah and how how can i continue that line of thought of what i've already yeah. started working on and established that way that may, makes it 10 times easier when you get down to the output the writing phase yeah. you just grab this like um continually developed line of thought from you know 15 different books and sources right that are just like that you know when someone reads that output like how in the hell did you like write this assemble this you're like you're 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 coming up with this like long depth string of knowledge and idea that's supported by 15 different that that you're relating in your words from 15 different books or sources um you know and um yeah that's that's the that's the thing you don't want to be left to do that which i think that's what obsidian kind of the workflow kind of does is they're like oh, okay just create this like inter interlinked set of ideas but um when it comes time to the writing of the paper then you're left with like actually con- creating that continuous line of thought, you know, and that's difficult. That's hard.
1: And it becomes kind of random and arbitrary. And I think that was, that was one of the things that, um, you know, in the book club, when we're reading, you know, we're reading Aaron's, you know, we got to the part where he's talking about, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Malcolm McLean and the, and the container, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, I, and I, I teach, you know, in, in one of my modern world theory, when I, t- when I talk about globalism, I actually talk about Malcolm McLean and, you know, and the containers, and it comes from that book, The Box, right? Mm-hmm. That came out a few years ago. And, you know, and so, well, and so in the first place, Aarons gets the story kind of wrong, but in the second place, it's sort of like, where, you know, where did this come from? yeah
0: yeah he's kind of pulling from a bunch of random
1: right it was it was in there you know it was in there and he jammed it together sort of after the fact
0: because lumen didn't use his notes weren't weren't you know just containers necessarily of perfect atomic pieces right Right. like the um i think human mind and thoughts are a little bit more complex than than that you know it's like uh, yeah the the atomicity he said one note per idea that's a myth you know and a lot of people get hung up on that and like i i no, i like no I, I yeah like when i like when i i got that whole idea of atomic design it's taken shape and taken hold of like the web developers and ui ux people like like the concept kind of came from that space where people started they're like here's a a, a ui ux framework called atomic design where oh. an atom you know is a uh, or text is a button and a container is you know or Text is a, I'm sorry, text is an atom, a container is an atom. When you combine both, you create a molecule called a button. And yeah. then when you combine that molecule with like, you know, an input box, that creates a, you know, a, a search molecule. And then yeah. that's like an organelle. And people get like all crazy with like all this stuff. And you're like, wait, abstracting away. You're like, what are you, what are you doing? And that's kind of what I think the atomic um, yeah. thing is, is captured note takers. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. So I think going back to is is you're like how anti are you i'm actually not a ludite, you know like I, uh, <laughs> I i use i do i use zotero frequently especially for writing you know like i i didn't write you know that's like i for for thinking it, a lot of people get carried away and I, this at least this is what i found there was no one out there actually showing and teaching people how to do the analog zettelkasten you know, a year and a half ago when I was on this journey, I had to like, I had to, you know, reverse engineer it the hard way and spend like a year of my life, (laughs) you know, thankfully I, yeah.
1: I mean, it's really going to pay off because I think you've got something really unique here because the only, I mean, the until I, you know, I started watching, you know, YouTube videos of people, you know, in the PKM space, you know, the only time I had heard the word Zettelkasten was, I think Beck Tench had said it in the context of trying to use Tinderbox as a Zenokospin tool. Um, but um, yeah, it I think I think there is, I mean I, I think that that you have sort of gotten your hooks into some of these these details that get missed and and when they get missed, it is detrimental to you know, to the user who's trying to, you know, trying to pull together some stuff and, you know, and not really show off the beauty of their, you know, their graph view, but rather uh, which, you know, and I love watching the graphing build and, you know, so that's what so I'm talking oh, about. Yeah, I got I'm talking about myself here, uh, but, but actually get something out of it on the other end. So I, yeah. I think this is um, yeah. So I think, I think you're really onto something and I'm, I'm excited to, you know, kind of watch you continue to develop it.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And, and um, you know, what I was saying there is, and for you and your, your audience is like, I've, I've got a few people and they've, they're on, you know, YouTube um, they've created like some YouTube videos of it is I think the main thing is to experiment and try the analog version in Lumen's precise workflow yourself so that then you can understand, okay, this is what I'm actually trying to do or create an obsidian. You know, if you decide to go back digital and, you know, or, you know, create whatever mm-hmm. um, workflow that you want, you know, yeah. but I, I think too many people don't, they don't ever try the analog version of Zettelkasten. And then they, you know, it's, it's uh then, then they're left without kind of like a, the core foundational, idea of what it's supposed to be like you know so that they they then get lost and with all the bells and whistles that obsidian has to offer and it, yeah. believe me it's endless you know all the community plugins and all that stuff like yeah. man i i spent so many time i was, it was i mean it's fun you know it's like yeah. it's a great app and and it's fast and you know um, yeah. but at, at the same time you're like i i hit a point where i was like wait what i well, uh, i've just created a bunch of information but no actual knowledge and i'm much further away than i was hoping to be with my project so
1: um
0: yeah and
1: cool so i'm looking at this thing you know and I've i've been looking at it on your videos too you've got one two three four by four so you got 16 and two on top so how many notes you got in there
0: i you know i haven't counted them um and not all of them are completely full either and also like i have like i like i mentioned is i have a you know a few boxes that are that are not integrated that don't have like the you know card addresses integrated into them so i haven't really backwards compatibilized my you know 3 3 by 5 inch cards that i've gotten you okay, know so that i've took crazy. for like 10 to 15 years yeah but um yeah i'll show you the 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 main one, this is the one that I used to write my anti-net Zettelkasten book. And, you know, I spent six months, you know, reading, researching, creating the, the main notes, right? And then three months writing. And the insane thing is, this is what like a lot of people have said, is that, you know, there's three months I wrote 190,000 words. It's like, depending on like the, whatever the size, you know, it's like right. 600 pages, right? Yeah, and no, so-
1: Volume,
0: yeah. yeah. So I did experience firsthand, you know, what, what Schmidt says and it's a, as advertised how to actually become a publication and a writing machine. And I saw it because, you know, so this is kind of like the, um, you know, the, the main, main types of uh, mm-hmm. cards and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, so now how your main
1: notes, how, Multi-threaded, or or how useful in different contexts do you expect them to be?
0: Um. Yeah, so I have, you know, this is within the branch. This that whole kind of cabinet is the four two one four, which is in like information science, and uh, and it started out as the Zettelkosten because like information science and related to um, you know, Zettelkasten, cost, And then, you know, o- over time it became like the anti-net, anti-net book. Right? right. Um, but you know, within that there's a bunch of different ideas. And like, for instance, I have like this one, you know, not, not all of them are, you know, I call them reflection notes. Reflection notes are kind of like, um, notes that you write for, um, for an actual audience. Some are like me reading and then, kind of what I call reformulation notes, like reformulating and creating a formula of mm-hmm. it. So that's, this one is on perception versus perspective. Right. And so what, you know, and then like, you know, the note after this, so that's, uh, as you can see, like. Maybe I can, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. Okay. Then the note after that is three, a three, a B slash two a. So I'm kind of, mm-hmm. this is like a variation oh, of that expansion where I, where I go into the, the etymology, like per separe, which means to thoroughly and fully understand and interpret. That's what perception is where perspective mm-hmm. is to observe and to spectate. And, you know, then, you know, so I'm going into this stuff. And so here's where I'm going with this example, right? I just, this, I just randomly pulled this out of this, this section, right? And then here's, here's me actually thinking through it more by creating a diagram. You can see there's like. Uh-huh. some out of yeah. perspective cool. right uh-huh. perspective is like where you are your xyz coordinates where you are positioned in space mm-hmm. your perspective of what you see and then your perception is how you actually interpret what you see so different people can have different perspectives and their perceptions and their own you know or right. they can have the same perspective and different, different perceptions right, right. Yep. and and so so this this forms kind of like a core aspect in uh you know one of the theoretical chapters of my book about how, you know, this, this whole anti-net settle cost and thing, it um, changes your, you know, you get a bunch of uh, different uh, perspectives locked and stamped in time that Mm. then when you go back, you can then rewrite based Mm. on a new perception that you had in your most recent readings. And, you know, it kind of like locks out in time. Now, the question is, okay, that's within the context of me writing about Zettelkasten and the Zettelkasten book. Now, when I go to my index over here, right? Uh-huh. If I look up perspective or perception, right? And I later want to write about that, which I have, you know, like it's it's in here somewhere, right? If I look it up, I then see, yeah, here it is. Yeah, and it points me there. So, this is perception. Cool right? And then it points me versus perception, definition, in like other different contexts. So then I can write a whole, you know, piece, um, book, even chapter on the concept of perspective, perception, and use all of the knowledge that I created within this book, right? Um, or within this line of work related to the other lines of works, so like I have perspective and memory and learning, you know, um and th- these are all in like the same like general branch, but you can see how I can then um, you know link it and kind of create it all together and use this little this this line of thought and the creativity happens when you have all these chunks of knowledge, put it on your desk, rewrite it, have the recommunication experience you know rewriting yeah. it into your editor uh-huh. using it it 's just so much there 's just so much benefits of having it tactile laid out on your desk yeah. so that you know this one section this one thought you know knowledge session that I had like a year ago then creates a huge section not only my book but like you know further sections forever so you can see Uh kind of the compounding effect right and that's that's kind of how it works and it the reason why that's good is that I'm only surfacing and only having like the most important pieces of knowledge related to perspective and that's where a lot of people are like, oh, what about digital search? How can you find anything? It's like, I don't want to be able to find, I don't want to search perspective in Obsidian and find, you know, 88 different um, uh, search results that have the term perspective in it because it's going to drown out the actual good, the important stuff that I'm looking for.
1: I, so. I, think, you're, I think you're right about that. I think that the, I, I put in one of my Obsidian vaults, I put that thing at the bottom um, there's a plugin that'll tell you all your linked mentions and your unlinked mentions. And mm-hmm. that is, I think potentially counterproductive. I think, I think that you're really onto something with this idea of the index card and, and on making it a regular part of your practice, whenever you're writing a card to say, okay, this should go on the perspective or the perception index card.
0: Yeah. Um, In yeah. the index. Yeah. it's it's all it's like a second layer map you know like and um yeah Yeah, to to the top level yeah to the top level card which is yeah which is exactly
1: what you want and does seem to be very i mean it does honestly seem to be very true to the luman process Mm -hmm.
0: um
1: which i think is uh yeah again and, and i'm not and i'm not that you know sort of religious about about you know doing what Luman did, but I do think that it worked. And so you know, so I, I should have a good reason not to, right? If I'm if mm-hmm. I'm gonna say, well, I'm gonna use this. You know, and I don't think that an adequate reason is only um you know is because this particular digital tool allows me. And initially I think there was um there was a lot of excitement about the idea that, uh, that we, you know, that we would be able to avoid, we'd be able to get more, more benefit for less work, but I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not feeling that anymore. So I think, (laughs) I think you've accomplished your mission here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, um, I, it's, it's, it's i think i think the people the people um that i see um they've never tried out or questioned and never tried the analog you know and i think that's 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 something okay try building it out first don't necessarily commit to doing it long term but then just take what you kind of learn from that and implement into the workflow you know of obsidian because you know there's also a lot of people they're the number one thing they're resisting is like the sunk cost fallacy of like you know they've got you know thousands tens of thousands like let's say of digital notes and they're like okay so you know here here you are coming along scott saying that you know that sucks and that's irrelevant you know it's like no i'm not necessarily saying that you know i mean i am but i'm not no i'm just kidding but um i i, I do think that that the the uh you know, when i switched yeah i have a thousand notes locked in obsidian um a lot of this i haven't missed them though you know it's like that's the thing and um yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, so. i you know, I think that that um, you know that maybe there's a place, you know, maybe there's a place in between where the big note, the elaborated note, can be in Obsidian, or can be in, you know, can be, you know, can be on this drive in a, you mm-hmm. know, some type of other format, in a word processing format, or in a, you know, or in a spreadsheet, or in a, you know. Um, I mean, cause again, you know, sort of the transcribed, um, letter or whatever, um, mm-hmm. you know, so, so then maybe the, the citation and, you know, the, the bibliographic part and the high level takeaways from that, you know, go on a bib card, um, maybe not the whole thing, you know, maybe, I, you know, maybe that's the, that's this moment, you know, this moment of translation from, you know, this is the actual text to this is, uh, because a lot of my stuff, a lot of my data is, um, I mean, both in historiography, you know, you got to, you got to deal with, you know, what other people have said in the past, Uh, and then especially in primary sources, right, Um, you have to, you have to reflect them accurately, but then you also have to explain them to the reader and interpret them and, and, yep. and contextualize them and put and make them part of a narrative or an argument to that. So I think there is a place for, you know, probably both of those things to exist. Um, mm-hmm. You know I don't think, you know, I don't think I'm going to start. Um, one of the things I'm doing from my, I'm changing up the way I do my, my uh, US history survey this fall, I'm going to actually do, it's a three day a week class where we meet for about an hour. And I used to do lecture, lecture, discussion. And now I think I'm gonna do lecture. I'm still, they're still gonna be, you know, they're still gonna interact with sort of the facts in a lecture kind of a format, but then I'm gonna lean real heavily on primary sources. So they actually hear the voices of the people, you know, who lived at the time, you know, both the elite people and then the, you know, the non-elites and the, you know, and the the, uh, dissenting voices. And so, um, so I'm going to do much more of that. So I'm transcribing, um, and I'm doing. Luckily, I'm doing US one this semester, so it's all stuff that you know. All the primary sources are out of copyright, <laughs> even if they were published, right? So I can find them. I can, you know, I can put them into a form that the students can read them. Um, I'm actually making videos where I where I read them, you know, for the the YouTube crowd, um, and then um, and then. I have to, I still have to, you know, kind of contextualize them and explain them and, you know, and make them. Buy. So that I think certainly, I mean, that's what these, actually, that's what this little stack of cards right here is, is the, um, you know, not only you know, which ones I'm using, but what I'm kind of saying about them. So yeah, yeah. I that's um, yeah, I think that's, I think I'm going to try this out. And, you know, and I don't, I don't want to take, I don't want to take too much more of your time today, but I would like to, you know, kind of maybe try this out for a while and then you know, kind of connect back with you and, um, you know, and I'll be, and I'll continue watching, you know, what you're doing as, as you do.
0: Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. There's wow. the, um, I think the anatomy of the Zettel, Antinet net Zettelkasten is a good video that gives you an overview. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the, uh, the, like hitchhiker's guide to the antinet net kosten on my um my twitter profile okay. and you know the first half of that is uh kind of the theory and the prep and like mindset stuff so mm-hmm. you don't i mean and i i've uh it's it's a lot you know at the first half so don't get hunk too hung up on the first half right but halfway through i have the okay take out your take out the note card write this down on it and just follow those steps and you'll have it, you know, there's essentially three main boxes. There's the index box, you know, the main box, which are those main notes. And then the bib box with the bibliography notes. And, um, and yeah, you know, the whole process starts with the bib bib cards and then extracting that, creating main cards and then, you know, uh, creating the index term to point to the, that main card, that card address. And um, yeah, that's how it works, you know? um don't want to get, you don't want to get index fatigue early on. You don't want to create an index entry for every single card uh, because it's going to just take way too long. But like the main kind of subtopics, you know, in that Uh, branch, you, uh, um,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, and and actually maybe, you know, maybe in a few weeks, once I've got some, you know, we can meet again because then, um, the, the other thing that I, what I would like to explore with you a little bit is the review process, right?
0: Mm -hmm
1: you know and and i'll look for i'll look for your know, for videos on your on your um your channel as well about that but what that's another thing yeah.
0: that
1: you know that I'm sort of curious about because i haven't honestly i haven't developed a great weekly review you know kind of thing just in in sort of um in sort of g t d terms either so this is mm-hmm. a this is a thing that a project for me for the next semester i guess
0: but yeah.
1: you know, but that that you know that process you know seeing how you do that. And sort of, um, I mean, do you have an inbox of these things or are you, just, uh, you kind of just, you just nope, go in nope, real time so and they go
0: here, right in? Here's the other important thing is, well, I, in, in early on, you, you won't have to do this as much like when you're first creating like the, your first maybe week. But what I do now when I get, you know, like extract like some of the ob- basic observation notes onto the bib card, um, before I actually write out the main card and create the main note, right, um, is I will figure out where it's going to go. So it forces me to review in my main box and review the line of thought and be like, okay, I'm going to put it. You know, it says I find I have, you know, four two one four slash one a. I'm going to be like, I'm going to put this at four two one four slash one a slash one and kind of continue that line of thought. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how. The, and so you're doing your review before you actually write out the the main card and um, you know why you're doing it yeah because when I used to when I used to just create like you know the main cards and then try to figure out after that where it goes it's you're just creating a pile of homework for yourself and oh, and that. believe it or not you don't want to do that you know you don't want to like create 15 cards that you have to then file um, and then what happens is when you go back to like file them I mean, you're like wait I already pretty much that's redundant I already kind of said that you know so it's like uh-huh. that's why you don't want to write uh-huh. out the main card before you find out where it's going to go
1: yeah um cool
0: cool yeah pro tip thank you <laughs> pro tip yeah I'm, I'm just blitzing you with all of this analog all knowledge right. stuff so yeah good 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 luck i i um yeah you know i created a the youtube channel just for the moment you know it's kind of a rabbit hole it's like a spaghetti code essentially right to learn this thing yeah. um i'm you know i have the book that that is in editing phase right now and then i'm simultaneously like half mm-hmm. i would say half my time is spent you know, pushing that along and editing that. And the other half of my time is trying to um, create a course in a a very clear linear step by step method, you know, to teach people this, this whole, you know, this whole um, system essentially. And so, yeah, but this is,
1: this is, this is so, I mean, this is really valuable stuff. So I, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to turn this into a video and I'll put it on my, my, um, channel. And, you know, so hopefully some, I mean, a lot of, like I said, a lot of people who are, you know, kind of power um, users, you know, who are book club members and stuff um, already knew you, but um, you know, hopefully this will get you, you know, a little bit more. Yeah. Because I do yeah. I do think I have, um, it's kind of weird. I, I have people in strange places, I have a lot of people in the UK and a lot of people in India for some reason. Mm. Um, and it, it may be because I occasionally say, say things about, um east asian history that they appreciate <laughs> like the, yeah like that the aryan invasion was a myth or something like that yeah and they, yeah they all glum onto that uh, and then they stay for the for the other stuff sometimes
0: yeah so, that's yeah. awesome yeah yeah um well yeah i enjoy your stuff and, and enjoy your channel you know and um and okay. uh you know i guess i i uh i i um even the, the history stuff i'll brush up on that and try to try to read that but yeah i hope uh I hope what I've shared helps you out and look forward to hearing about your journey. I'm willing to hop on anytime. And yeah. So
1: thanks a lot. Cool. Thanks very much, Scott.
0: All right, Dan. Talk to you later, man. Take care. All right. All right. Bye.